Talking online can be a scary place. Sometimes you meet older men pretending to be girls, but sometimes you meet people who are who they say they are, like a young 18-year-old male who just wanted more friends. But he ends up leaving out the part where he wants to kill you. You never know if the person you're talking to is a harmless catfisher or an almost honest teenager. Frost your cookies and drink some eggnog. Let's dive into our fourth case of Christmas and crime. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and today's episode is about Breck Bednar. Before we get into the case, though, I want to say welcome back. This is our fourth episode of Christmas in Crime. Like I say every day, I freaking missed you guys. I mean, this has been quite the week for me in general, so I'm just so excited to sit down and talk and hang with my friends and talk about some true crime while we eat some frosted cookies. I know we're supposed to leave them out for Santa, but it's fine. We can make more, right? (laughs) Anyways, I hope everybody's got their Christmas shopping done, and if you don't do you know, celebrate Christmas. I hope you have your holiday stuff done. Um, December's coming to an end, you guys. The end of the year is coming. So even if you celebrate nothing this year, like I just hope that you've wrapped up your end of the year plans because we're close, guys. We're getting there. I don't personally celebrate Christmas, but my husband does. And so all of our Christmas shopping is done. Our trees are decorated. You know, all of that's done. I actually had our Christmas shopping done in October. So uh, that was pretty cool. But I hope you're not scrambling to get your, you know, end of the holiday things done. Because like I said, you know, the holidays are wrapping up. We're about to move into a new year. Anyways, let's go ahead and jump into our case today, our fourth case of Christmas and crime. This case, like I said earlier, is about Breck Bedner. Now, Breck was born on March 17th, 1999 to parents Barry Bedner and Lauren Lafave. Barry was an oil trader and a shipping consultant, and his mother Lauren was a teaching assistant. His parents lived in the United States, but they ended up moving to England three years prior to Breck's birth. After they moved to England, they would move on to having three more children after Breck. While growing up, Breck was a very relaxed, warm-hearted spirit. He had a ton of friends, and these friends helped shape Breck into the gamer he grew into being. Breck played online with all of his friends, and as you know, online gaming comes with a lot of stranger, comes with a lot of activity with strangers and conversation. This is where Breck would begin to meet many online friends. Some of them were friends that he just played games with, some of them were ones that he just talked to, and some of them he got a little closer to than others. We will get into these friends, though, in a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about Breck's family. 
Breck's family was a very religious family. They would regularly attend church together. And at some point, though, it does sound like his parents ended up splitting up. This is where Breck would spend weekends with differing parents. I'm not 100% positive about this. I did see differing sources to this. But I still wanted to put that in there because, I mean, it's, it is common for parents to separate and kids to spend every other weekend at their other parents' house. Now, as Breck played these online games, he ended up making a server of six online friends. These were friends that would play games together and chat together while they played games. And in this online gaming group, they had a friend named Eagle16. Eagle 16 was actually an 18-year-old boy named Louis Danes. Louis and Breck would often play games together like Call of Duty and Battlefield. Louis, while he played with Breck, would tell him that he was working for the US government and he would begin to promise Breck that he was going to give him a ton of wealth through this computer business that Lewis owned. You find out later on that all of this was a lie. I'm unsure if Breck knew at this point how old Lewis was, or if Lewis had lied to Breck about that. If Breck knew that Lewis was an 18 year old, I wonder if he saw through this lie. I mean, Pretty much if an 18-year-old would come to me and tell me that he owned a computer business and worked for the U.S. government and he had, you know, this huge amount of wealth and all of these things, I would not believe them. I'm not saying it's not possible, but that's a very, very, very rare thing. Now, his family began to see that Breck's attitude started to shift more and more. Breck began to develop a lot of differing ideas from his parents' belief, and he started to refuse to attend church with them. Now, that's not completely out of the ordinary for a teenager to do. Most of the time, a teenager, especially one that does grow up in a religious household and is made to go to church every week, will go through a phase where they are finding themselves and their beliefs. They're going to make some shifts in their brain anyways and think about what they really want in life and what they believe and want to believe in. So it's not uncommon for children to go through this phase and it does sound like Breck honestly probably just started that phase. I don't think that anybody had any outside reasoning for making him do these things, I do feel like that was Breck just being a normal teenager. But when this started happening, his mother Lauren decided and informed Breck that she needed to have access to all of his electronics and start looking for the reasons that he could be having this shift. This is where she found chats with Lewis. She found those lies. She found a lot of manipulative information. And she decided 
that it was time for her to limit the access of his electronics because it looked to her like Breck was breaking some rules. On top of that, he was now questioning their beliefs. She installed multiple parental controls onto the computer and all of the devices that he used. And once she was done, she informed Breck that she was forbidding him to ever talk or use the same services that this Lewis boy was using. She did not want him to have any contact with Lewis. She felt like the shift in belief was because of Lewis and that Lewis was a bad influence. Now, bravo to the mother for seeing the red flags, but she very much tried to control the situation when she really should have taught Breck in this situation and showed him the things that were the red flags and why he needed to stay away. And maybe she did. Maybe she did use this as some sort of learning experience and showed Breck the warning signs of the things that he needed to look out for, and maybe Breck didn't listen. I'm not saying that she didn't, but I don't know if that would be necessarily the case, and maybe she just took the one friend from Breck that he really liked without giving him a reason. And unfortunately, that never ends in great situations. Let's hop back over to Lewis. Let's talk about Lewis a little bit. Lewis was currently, and remember, he did not tell Breck these things, an unemployed computer engineer. Lewis looked much younger than he was, which was 19 years old, and this was because Lewis had no facial hair. Lewis was an only child and was actually living alone at the time. His parents had split up when he was 16 and they left him to live by himself in a flat that was owned by his grandparents. So Lewis had actually lived alone since he was 16 years old. But Lewis did not tell Breck any of this. As far as Breck knew, Lewis was a young, successful man who made millions. And this was because Lewis had some different ideas about what this friendship was for than Breck did. Now, Breck's mother continued to monitor his stuff. And that's when she decided that she was going to contact the police in December of 2013. She was going to report Lewis to the police and inform the police that her son Breck was being groomed by this Lewis kid. She could see all the lies, she could see everything that this Lewis kid was feeding to Breck, and she wanted to nip it in the butt. She informed the police that she believed that her son was in danger, and with all of these efforts that she put in to try and prevent Breck from speaking to Lewis or playing games that Lewis was on, he was still contacting Lewis and they were still playing games together. No action was taken against Lewis on this report and the police just let it go. Breck's mother actually decided to try and confront Lewis herself on an online game one day, but that didn't get her anywhere just like all the rest of her efforts. 
Now, I do know I said I wish that this mother would have used it as a sort of teaching experience, and I still hold to that. I do feel like things might have gone different if she showed Breck these things that were concerning, but honestly, it might have not. Breck might have chose to ignore these flags and been put in a bad situation. But I will applaud her on all of the things she was trying to do herself. I mean, she tried to get the police involved. She tried to talk to Lewis herself. She put these parental controls, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with, but she did everything she could to try and prevent Lewis from contacting Breck. But they still got around it. And Breck made plans with Lewis. Now, Breck informed his parents that he was spending the night at one of his other friend's homes that was approved by his mother, and from there he would travel to his father's home that weekend, and he would see his mother that following Sunday night for the Monday at work. The real plan, however, was to go and hang out at Lewis's flat for the night, and then spend the weekend with his father. Just a slightly tweaked plan that his mother never had to know of. A different friend was all. Both of his parents knew not to expect to hear anything from Breck the night that he went to this friend's house, because they both knew he was going to a friend's house for the night. So, on February 17th, 2014, 14-year-old Breck traveled to Lewis's flat to meet him for the very first and very last time. Now, a lot of this information that I'm about to tell you about comes from Lewis himself. Um, they do believe that this is what happened, but there could be facts in this story that are wrong or stretched to sound better, if that makes any sense. I'm not saying that it's a lie, but I always feel like when you hear from the person who committed the crime's point of view, you always need to tread carefully because you never know if it is actually the truth or if they have molded this to fit what they want to be the truth. According to Lewis, once Breck was in the home, they allegedly partook in sexual acts together. After these sexual acts were carried out, Lewis decided that it was time to use the duct tape that he had previously purchased for this moment. And he bound and wrapped Breck's arms, legs, and wrists, overpowering this young boy very easily. He then finished it off with some duct tape wrapped around Breck's mouth. After this, Lewis grabbed a knife off the table and he would stab Breck in the back of the neck and slice his throat open. Lewis talked about how he was aiming for his spinal cord, but he was unaware of where it was located exactly. So he just stabbed Breck over and over again. Once he was pretty sure Breck was dead or dying, he got a brilliant idea. Either it came to him in the moment or he knew he was going to be doing it all along. He took photos of Breck lying there, bleeding, bound, 
and dying. Once he finished this horrendous photo shoot, he uploaded these photos to his computer and proceeded to send the photos to that six-person gaming chat we talked about earlier. At least two of the boys in this chat saw the photos and they began to spread the news rapidly. Now, I didn't mention this earlier, but some of his actual school friends were also in this chat. So they were friends who knew Breck personally. After these photos were uploaded and Breck laid there, Lewis decided he was going to go wash his clothes, take a shower, and leave Breck to bleed out alone. Now, once Lewis was all cleaned up, he decided it was probably about time to call 999. 999 is also 911, depending on where you are located. On this 999 call, he informed the operator that the two of them had gotten into an altercation and only one of them came out alive. He also told the operator that his friend was trying to commit suicide and he was trying to stop him. And that is when this altercation started. He is quoted in this 999 call and quoted in saying things like, quote unquote, I grabbed the knife and stabbed him in the back of the neck. I believe somewhere near the brainstem. I don't remember exactly what happened, but the fight ended with me cutting his throat. I don't see how trying to stop your friend from committing suicide ends with you stabbing them in the back of the neck and slicing their throat open, especially when they're bound, because he didn't untie Breck when he made this call. Breck was still very much taped up. The authorities rushed to the scene and they tried to save Breck, but despite their efforts, Breck ended up dying at the scene. Now, before Lewis called the police, he did not do very much hiding. He did no crime scene cleanup or staging, and the only thing that he attempted in destroying was his electronics because they had been soaked in water to try and destroy the evidence. Sorry, apparently there's the longest train of my life driving near my house, so I apologize if you can hear that. After looking into all of this, the authorities came to the conclusion that this and the messages that they did get between the two looked to be a sexual and sadistic killing. And they did not believe Lewis's story at all. Now, while this 999 call was being made is when his mother and father realized that Breck had not followed the agreed timeline of things and that they had not seen him where he should have been recently. It was actually his father that contacted his mother and informed her that he had not shown up for his scheduled weekend and that he had called and texted Breck multiple times and he had gotten no answer from him. About that same time, Breck's 12-year-old sister's phone began ringing with text messages about the incident. This 12-year-old found out before the parents did. And when the police came knocking on the door, they informed the two of what they had found and what had happened to Breck. 
They were able to positively identify him, but they were unable to save him. They immediately pulled Lewis in. <laughs> I mean, Lewis was the killer. He told the 999 operator that. I mean, he was very clear about it. During this time, they decided that Lewis needed a psych eval. And this is where they found that he was suffering from Asperger's syndrome. And because of this, his defense tried to argue that this affected his ability to make sound judgments and that there was not enough evidence to prove that this was a premeditated murder. But there was proof from Lewis himself. Lewis had purchased condoms, duct tape, and syringes in preparation for the attack. He had also helped Breck come up with a story as to where he was going and on top of that, given Breck a different mobile phone that he could use to contact Lewis. All of this happened before the plans for Breck to officially come down were ever made. I do want to bring up the Asperger's thing. I know somebody who suffers from Asperger's and I'm not saying that they can't make sound judgments, but they, <sighs> the things that they do are not things like killing somebody and then being like, well, I have Asperger's, you know what I mean? It's very much like when they play video games, they don't think about the fact that if they slam the controller onto the ground they're gonna break the controller everywhere like those are the things that go through their head and I know the person that I know isn't extremely on that spectrum so I mean Lewis could have been way farther on that spectrum than this person that I know but the person that I know definitely knows not to murder somebody like they definitely know what's gonna happen if they do that so I kind of don't agree with his defense in this situation, but like I said, I don't know how far on the spectrum Lewis is, but just in my personal experience, having Asperger's is not going to make you be a killer. I mean, does that make sense? They had brought up evidence, though, in his trial that Lewis had been arrested and questioned for a separate sexual assault a 15-year-old boy three years before the attack on Breck, proving that Lewis had a very bad side and that Lewis enjoyed participating in wrong behaviors. When the sexual assault, however, happened, the authorities that were taking care of the arresting and questioning chose not to do anything about it and they let Lewis go. After everybody tried their hardest to prove that Lewis, you know, was innocent or was not innocent, Lewis ended up pleading guilty. He admitted to grooming and murdering Breck after he lured him into his flat. Once this was done, they gave him a life sentence with a minimum of 25 years. A big reason that his sentence was so severe was because they saw this 18-year-old as controlling and manipulative. He had also multiple younger online friends like Breck, and they did not want to give Lewis a slap on the wrist and allow him to do this to somebody else. 
This will put him being about 44 years old when he is able to be released. On top of the heartache that Breck's family has already had to deal with, in 2019, one of Breck's sisters began getting threatening messages on Snapchat. The person messaging her claimed that they were Lewis's cousin. She informed Breck's sister that she knew where he was buried and was going to smash his grave. She also began sending her emojis that involved eyeballs and tombstones and threatening messages on top of that. I could not find what these messages said. I could find, though, that they informed the police. And just like they had informed them about the grooming situation, the police have done nothing. All they did was tell them to install some home security cameras and call it a day. And then a random person created an Instagram with the name of Breck and tried to add another one of his sisters. When they brought this up to Instagram customer service, Instagram informed them that they could take the account down, but that was it. And this is where Breck Bedner's story ends. Nothing ever really got done that Breck deserved. I mean, his mom informed the police before Breck was dead. They tried everything that they could to save him, and unfortunately, that's not how it went. And then now that his sisters are being targeted and attacked, they're still not doing anything. And it breaks my heart to think that these guys, this family, has already lost somebody, somebody close to them that they loved. And now they're getting these threatening messages and these taunts and nobody is helping them. That's not right and that's heartbreaking. The internet can be a very, very scary place and a very, very rewarding one too. You can make so many friends on the internet, but you don't need to be yourself to make these friends. You can be anybody you want to be and act any way you want to be. But if that's something that you can do, then that's something everybody else around you can do too. Nobody has to act like themselves on the internet. And sometimes this can have devastating consequences. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.